Hi guys um, and welcome to this month's podcast. It's November, it's cold, it's rainy, but this room is so warm and warmed by Wangeshi and Linda from Safaricom. Wangeshi is the head of legal and secretarial services at Safaricom and Linda is a senior legal counsel as well as acting company secretary at Safaricom. And I am so pleased um, and thank you Linda so much for agreeing to um, and organizing for us to be here. So I'm really, really grateful. And this is going to be a great conversation for us. Thanks, Jay. Thank you, Wangeshi. Um, so let's start off. Wangeshi, why law? How did you get into the profession? Why did you decide to become a lawyer? I actually did not decide to become a lawyer. My first choice was to become a dentist. Really? Yes, I wanted to be a dentist. And then my mom discouraged me. She said, oh, are you going to be able to, you know, look into people's mouths, all that blood? <laughs> so I said, okay, fine. When I actually finished my Form 4, I was called for biochem. Yeah. Those days, um, within the first or about three months, the first three months of being placed, there was a window where you could actually transfer to another course if you actually qualified for it. And I qualified for law, and that's how I landed there. I mean, that, that's... Crazy. I never chose it from Form 1 and said, this is me, no. I mean, that's very funny because actually, Sammy also... I think he was chosen to go to pharmacy first and then now he's annoyed, but it happens. Linda, you? So for me, I'd actually wanted to be an architect. Um, when I finished high school, I yeah. even interned um, in one of the uh, top architectural firms called Triad Architects. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very well-known one, yeah. <laughs> uh, but then um, when I applied to the university, I was called to do law. Okay. And so as they say, the rest is history. And so why Safaricom? How did you get to Safaricom, both of you? Let's start with Wangeshi. Um, my journey to Safaricom has been a long one. It's just recent. I'm here seven months, seven and a half months. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is not my first tango in the telecommunications industry. Before that, I was at Telcom Kenya for nine years. And before that, I was at Airtel Networks for four years. So um, it's been a path of telecommunications. And I can say that it's been... Um, Exciting. Now, why Safaricom? Why not Safaricom? I mean, why not? Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, you know, it's, it's always good. I think everybody gets a sense of pride being related to or working at or connected to somebody who's doing well or an organization that's doing well. And this is Safaricom. I mean, why I not? mean, it's a business to be very proud of as Kegan. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Linda, you? So for me, it's a different journey. Um, I started legal practice in 2002. I did my apprenticeship. I was saying that I, Linda doesn't look like she started practice in 2002. <laughs> <laughs> I did. And um, so I, I, I applied to Hamilton, Harrison and Matthews and I was interviewed. And so I did my apprenticeship for two years. Yeah. Uh, then I was privileged to be attached to the late Ken Fraser. So I started my practice in litigation and I, I worked in the lower courts, high courts and even the court of appeal. Yeah. And I, I was even published uh, really? as one of the, in one of the leading bank litigation. Wow. So what happened? One of you need to tell us the case and we need to put it down there. Actually, so it, was, it was on the 10th of August, 2018, it was published in the Daily Standard. Um, so how I transitioned to commercial is that one of my colleagues um, got a job at African Development Bank. Yeah. And so I applied to get into the commercial um, 
department or oh, within within HHM now. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And you know, in those days, it was very territorial. Um, once you're a litigant, you never transition to another yeah. uh, department. So I was one of the first to move to commercial. And I was also attached to one of the legal icons in the commercial industry. I worked under Parasha. Um, I mean, a, a titan. <laughs> but why did you want to transition from commercial to litigation? Is it just to try something different or? I just felt I wanted to do more in-house work, I mean, yeah. in-house practice. Yeah. Uh, because litigation was very heavy in those days. You had a lot of briefs running up and down in the court corridors and your judgments are never finalized. Yeah. So I wanted a more settled life. Um, at that time, I was also getting married. Yeah. Um, so I, I transitioned into commercial practice. And then I also studied for my master's in business administration. So I wanted a job. I was actually looking for a job where I would combine my legal skills and my business knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. So when Safaricom recruited while recruiting for a legal counsel, I applied. And yeah. that's how I got into Safaricom and I've worked there now nine years. Amazing, amazing. And then you have literally the history of the place because you've been there so long. Um, when you look back and you look at what skills you had like as a child, as a teenager, you know, what specific skill do you think you had or possessed that made you an apt person to study law or to be a lawyer that you are today? Wangashi? I'm a middle child. So am I. We're <laughs> <laughs> fine. Yeah. So I, I am the one who perhaps even today, I am connected to the first two and the last two. Yeah. So I can easily um, sort of like flow in between everybody. And this is one of the skills that you need to have. You need to be personable. You need to be able to have a conversation with somebody. It doesn't matter where they are. And you're also, at that point of being in the middle, you sort of have a, you know, a hakie to type of personality yeah. where you want, um, you know, you want rights, you want um, uh, fairness, you want to be heard, which is important to have as a lawyer. But I think the most important is that if you're able to connect with people, then your job becomes easy. Because as a lawyer, your work is to speak for or act for the ones who are not going to be there. So I think that's one of the qualities that yeah. perhaps helped me. But like I said, I did not have law as a first choice. Um, even when I think about it, when I connect it to being a dentist, I would still have had to use those skills to, you know, uh, make my clients, patients, yeah, uh, at ease. Yeah, ETC. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah that, I think that's yeah. I, can I think say. I think we're in the services industry yeah. and here to serve people. So I think exactly. there's an element of being relatable and personable and w working with people. Correct, Linda. So for me, I'm a firstborn child, and growing up, I was always the one left with responsibility, looking after other children in the home. Uh, when my parents traveled, they'd always leave me with the money for the home. So I tended to learn how to be responsible yeah. very early. Yeah. And that trans to be translated uh, as to how a lawyer acts in a fiduciary capacity to their clients. Yeah. So for me, the I elements... fiduciary. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, the elements of uh, being trustworthy yeah. and reliable uh, is what has made me the lawyer I am today. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, those are all good things. Let's talk about the difference between deciding to work uh, in practice and deciding to work in-house. Yeah. What was that uh, for you? What, what decision led that for you? I started off at Ransley McVicar and Shaw uh, and had the great opportunity to work under the late Philip uh, Ransley, Justice Philip Ransley. And I liked practice. It was um, 
it was every day was something new. Yeah. And when I was in, in practice, I, I, I found that I was able to exercise uh, a bit of independence in that I could speak to the clients. I could give the clients an opportunity to hear me out and I give them an idea. Then I transitioned to practicing within governments. I was a state law counsel yeah. in the treaties and agreements department. Again, I mean, how did you even get to the treaties and agreements department? Uh, you know, it has always been the most prestigious. Now it is called government transactions, but still seems to yeah, be the because most it's, prestigious. it's very high level. Right? Yes, and at that at that point, again, now we are not dealing with individual clients. We are now dealing state to state. Yeah, and you get to see a lot of these transactions when you hear that we have um, acceded to a certain treaty. Yeah. That we are party to this, we are party to that. This big um, government transactions that we see nowadays—that's what we used to do then. Yeah, yeah. albeit um, uh, at a smaller scale. Yeah. And when I was there, we had uh, one of the—I think it was the Ministry of Health. The Ministry of Health actually had a program of wanting to bring health services to the mobile phone. Oh wow! Okay. And that was about two thousand and nine. Yes, that was two thousand and nine. Yeah. So what happened is that um, the operators, as they were then, uh, were called to a round table. And at that time, there were four. Now we are three. Yeah, yeah. Um, those are still remember ESSA. It was Telcom, ESSA. Telcom, ESSA. Orange. Tel well, I guess those Yes, Telcom orange. was orange. And, and then uh, Safaricom. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so the Attorney General is there as a lawyer of, of, of the government, and in this particular case, the Ministry of Health. And we started uh, having those conversations, ETC. When I was there, Airtel had an opportunity, senior regulatory officer. Yeah. And I got the opportunity to, to interview. And it was the, I, I think it was the best interview I have gone for in my life because it was one that I did not know much about regulatory. Yeah. But I went in there confident and saying, you know what, this is a good thing. I was their customer then. Yeah. Uh, and I said, you know what, let me give it a try. And so I did not think much in terms of, do I know what regulatory is? Do I know what the Kika Act is saying? Do I know what MYCT is saying or doing at this particular time? I just went in. And when I went in, I found a different world where I can use my skills on the regulatory and public policy side. Yeah. And the rest is history. I mean, I guess it's, it's, it's a, a, a tale of when opportunity meets preparation. Correct. And then you are just... How you respond, yeah. Mm -hmm. How you respond is what is most important, mm -hmm. because that is where you're going to get your next, maybe, big gig or your next calling where you totally fit. Yeah, yeah. And also, it, it's a good lesson for people who are working across the table from someone else that the opportunity is not just where you are, but can be where you are, where you are not. Yeah, you might my, my next opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, Wangeshi. We need your skills um, more than you know. Linda, what about you? What about you? The decision. I know you, you've already said that you wanted a, a slower pace. You wanted something that was more determined um, in terms of outcomes, etc. And you moved to commercial. What about the transition from in-house um, to to um, sorry for practice to in-house? So from practice to in-house, I wanted uh, to work in a company where I combine my legal skills and business knowledge. Yeah. And um, coming into Safaricom, because it's a listed company, it's a commercial company, it makes revenue. I felt that I could be a good fit. Yeah. Yeah. Did you did you anticipate that you would be there so long? Did you anticipate this long legal career there? What did, what did you think? Was it like a blip? 
No, I actually did not anticipate that I would stay in Safaricom this long. Um, I actually thought I would probably even become a judge. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I actually applied, um, but I didn't get into the to the to the But not yet, not yet. It's not yet. It's not a career opportunity in yeah. the future. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Okay. All right. And then, could you tell us, like, for anyone who's thinking of coming in house? What specific skill do you think you need in order to be effective in-house? Because it's a different set of skills, right? The client might not be um, external. It could be someone internal that you're servicing. Give us tips. I think one of the things that I learned when I, when I, you know, I came in-house is that you must learn your business. So your commercial acumen must just move from zero to a hundred because that is the only way you'll be able to serve your client properly. So you must know what exactly is my, um, you know, like for instance at Safaricom or telecommunications, you must learn the, the business itself. Yeah. What are the pain points? What are the opportunities? Where are we trying to go? What are the challenges? What are the roadblocks that you need to clear? Because you will not be able to give them proper advice if you do not understand the business. And it's, it's, you need to also be very versatile because you're not only serving one client. So today you could have somebody from the finance team coming and saying, this is what we want to do. We want to get some funding. You've got to understand that. Tomorrow it will be somebody from marketing and brand and saying that this is what we want to do. So you've got to learn that. Your ability to learn your business is going to be yeah. your greatest yeah. um, advantage. But somewhat, somewhere like Safaricom, it, it seems overwhelming because if you're looking at something like funding, you have to understand grants and how they apply and how to apply for a grant, you know, all of those things. And if you're looking at HR, it's a, it's a different set of skills. What is the role? In, how do you break down the role on a day-to-day -day basis? One of the things that you need to know is that you should never be afraid to ask. If, for instance, you have not interacted with a certain kind of assignment, first step back and ask, you know, the team that you're working with, what, how does this work? When you say this, what does this mean? And yeah. Especially in telcos, we have a lot of acronyms. What does this mean? What does, you know, you must learn. The moment you learn and you get it right, you then have the ability to, 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 to advise. Now, you also have to have the capacity to, like you've just said, there's a lot going on. Yeah. So there'll be somebody from HR, there'll be somebody from tech, there'll be somebody from IT. You just have to have the capacity. But the desire to do well and the desire to believe no, the ability to believe in your ability. I mean, that's must a great point. Present. That's a great point because a lot of people lose confidence in their own ability and get overwhelmed. But we'll come back to that because I want to know what your what your tactic is for yeah. that. But Linda, I also wanted to come to you on on the company secretarial side because you were recently appointed, but you're acting at the moment as a company secretary. And a lot of people don't know what a company secretary does. What did, what what does that entail? So um, as a company secretary, you guide the board on governance of the company. Okay. Um, and th that means you manage relationships between the board and management. And then you're the liaison between the board and the shareholders in terms of communication. So you act in a trusted position um, and you manage relationships. Yeah. I, mean that, I mean, that's a great, <laughs> I mean, an overwhelming skill to have in yeah. Safaricom. And we wish you all the best with that. I wanted to come back to you on, on the skill set for asking questions and believing in yourself. What, how do you, where, where do you pull from um, for that? I want to go back to my and first Linda, you have to answer the same question. <laughs> I want to go back to my first assignment uh, when I was at Airtel. And my first assignment was um, in, in our business, generally, 
we pay a lot in terms of the resources that we get, and these are frequency, very expensive, scarce resources. And it makes, um, it's, it's one of the huge, largest costs that yeah. we have as a telco. So I was told that you need to come up with a paper that we will then put forward to convince the regulator to reduce the cost of spectrum. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what spectrum was. And my boss could actually see it in my <laughs> face because I was looking at her and I was like, what so is this? So I'm assuming, I don't also know, but spectrum is the range, right? Of the, yes, of spectrum, the frequency. yes, yes, yes. It's a frequency that we're able to, to deploy out there so that our customers can enjoy certain products and services. And so she said, so what you will do is that you will go and sit with the technology team. And I went and I sat with the CTIO and he broke it down and he said, before I tell you what Spectrum does, I need to, to teach you how a call is made. <laughs> and he taught me and he told me what a TRX is, those are links. He told me what Spectrum is, the bands, ETC. I went back and, and, and I became very interested. So I would always go back to technology and we'd do the paper. The outcome is that actually in 2012, we got a 20% reduction wow. of the Spectrum cost. And this was an industry initiative, but from Airtel, I did write that paper. So the ability to just say, I do not know, I want to learn, teach me. And then after that, I'll take it from there. Mm. You must have that skill. And it, it, every time you do an assignment and have a success, it builds your confidence and ability to deliver. And, mm -hmm. and your knowledge base. Yes, amazing. And you have to keep uh, learning. Yeah. So tell us, Linda, what about you? Where do you pull from for that um, strength and ability to be confident in your ability to serve, for example, the board and the shareholders as a um, company secretary? I think apart from learning agility, um, I think you really have to have some form of emotional intelligence and soft skills, as well as a high self-awareness. Yeah. Um, because within the telco space, you deal with a wide range of people from internal customers to external customers to the board to management. So you should be able to have very high IQ. Yeah. Then apart from that, you need to be able to communicate effectively um, in a manner that people can understand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then in terms of the, the there are courses to become a company secretary. Yeah. And just tell me about um, how long it took for you to become a company secretary and what does it require? Because a lot of people are advocates like us, so not necessarily a company secretary. Is that something that is worth pursuing? Yes. I would say um, having your skill set, having company secretary as a skill set is what gives you an added advantage. Yeah. Um, it's an academic course, so you have to sit papers for possibly two to three years, and then you will... Gosh, sit. it's two to three years. That's or two, if you have exemptions. If you have exemptions, yeah. And then you have to sit an exam with the um, registration board, and then they'll certify you. Yeah, yeah. So in my case, I had already done this, so I became a registered um, certified secretary in 2012. Um, I, I think currently you have to practice under uh, a practicing um, certified secretary Someone else, for yeah, okay. years to right. do your articles, and then that's when you can be confirmed to oh, practice okay. within the industry. So it's like adjacent to legal stuff. It's like another exactly. qualification. Wow. Okay. Well, well done for two. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Um, in addition to that, what I would do. Are you also? Yes. Yes, yes I am. So, <laughs> it's not the only one. Uh, not qualified. I, I, I would um, broaden the scope and say. Look, I find that the law degree is the base. What comes out of it is up to you. So CS is one of them. 
CPA is another one. Yeah. HR is another one because the law degree is so versatile, it can be combined with any other. Mm, I agree with that. Yeah. So look at where you're passionate. Look at where you want to go. Um, Linda said that she wanted to become uh, an architect. She can still become an architect because there are a lot of building laws and regulations which now she can speak into. So look at your law degree as the base, as the foundation, as the first step of where you want to go and then combine it to something else to give yourself that edge, especially if you want to be in corporate. Completely, yeah. completely agree. It's just that you have to have that dedication and focus oh, in order for C you to get there. CPS, as we called it, then was not easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would fail, 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 yeah. but ultimately. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you guys are at the top of your profession. You are killing it. You are at Safaricom. I think a lot of women would be very envious of you. What does the day-to-day -day 9 to 5 look like? If it's 9 to 5 or 9 to 10 or <laughs> whatever, what does it look like? Um, my day starts off at home, obviously, with my kids. Um you know, having a quick conversation with them in the morning, making sure homework is done, diaries are signed, and then, um, you know, off to school. But at the office, it is more of ensuring that the legal department is functioning properly. We are only one out of four departments that form corporate affairs. Yeah. So there's a lot of collaboration we have with our other colleagues. So I, for instance, I would take care of certain transactions myself, but then I have a team and that team is to empower the team to ensure that they're delivering in their various areas, whether they are, they are supporting, that um, you are able to show up as the legal team. How we show up in the business is also important. And this we did um, quite recently. We had the Legal Awareness Week. Yeah. And we mirrored it inside Safaricom. And what that did was first the lawyers were known as a person to the team because we did it in various offices and people would be like, oh, so you're the one. And we showcased our skills not only as tech lawyers or lawyers in Safaricom, but we were able to advise people on matters personal law. So growing your capacity and putting you out there. Also, it's ensuring that the team, as we move on, people grow in their careers. Yeah. So also that occupies me. What else can somebody do? Um, how else can I grow you? How else can I showcase you? How yeah. else can I bring you to the fore? So it's really, um, for me, I don't look at the legal department as a defense team. Yeah. I look at us as part of the business and people who work and we collaborate with everybody else. Yes, we'll play defense once in a while, but that's <laughs> not what we always do. Okay. Yeah, Good. so in the evening, come back and in between. So is it, is it calls. nine to five? Yes. Can you manage that? Yes, yeah. nine to five and even extension. And in between, you're still taking the phone calls. You yeah. have come back from school. Who's doing this? Who's doing that? Yeah. So you just have to make it work. Uh, but if you look at it just as a job, then you either be overwhelmed and you'll not be able to give beyond the five. I, I completely agree. I never say nine is nine to five. There's yeah. no work life balance. You're just managing around your lifestyle. And uh, Linda? So I'm currently in a new role. So my nine to five uh, looks at serving the board, um, being present in their meetings, being able to record the deliberations that are made, uh, being able to relay information from the board into management. Um, but in my previous role, I was a transactional TMT lawyer. Yeah. Um, so that involved very high capex contracts negotiating for the business yeah. um, to bring in network equipment and stuff like that. So that's how my nine to five looks like. Um, I, I, I tend to transition into my home life uh, when I leave the office yeah. and I have a new, a, a totally different role as a mother to my yeah. children. Yeah. 
Um, and do you shut off? Do you manage to shut off doing that? Sometimes not, yeah. because uh, I probably would uh, spend time with them until they sleep, and then I reopen open my laptop. But it's a night of a working mother. It yes. is. It is. Yes. It is. Um, yeah, I wanted to also talk about the external other roles that you've played. So, for example, setting up um, the Lean-In Circle for Women in Safaricom and also the Lawyers in Technology. And those are extra things that you were doing. Why was it important for you to to set up those two organizations? I founded the Lawyers in Technology Leaning Circle in 2017 mm-hmm. um, because I discovered that there was no professional support group for women lawyers in the technology, media, and telecom space. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, that's how I got to know Angeshi because oh, she was cool. one of the people I approached to join the circle. Yeah, yeah. And for me, it was really uh, about creating a platform where we would allow women to grow in their careers in the TMT space and even occupy the C-suit position. Yeah. And that organization or that platform has really been successful because when I look at the membership, um, I see people who've grown from associates to general counsel. Some of them are like renowned, uh, we even have a member who was recently recognized by Time 100. Wow. She is the lawyer who has been litigating against Meta. Okay. So, oh, okay, the the case. Yeah, Marcy. So for me, it was really creating a platform where women in the TMT space could support each other. I mean, amazing. Does it have its own like website and stuff so that we can now connect people? <laughs> no, also we are closed. Oh, is that closed? So even I'm not in there. <laughs> I need to. I think, can I but but so I you know, when we started, those so much, so overwhelming requests for membership, and we had to see how do we become efficient and effective and meet the outcomes and the mission that we wanted for the group. But hopefully, we would be able to expand in other areas. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'm still going to bug you so that I can enjoy it. <laughs> um, and let's talk about Safaricom itself as an organization welcoming young people into the business, welcoming um, you know seasoned and career practitioners, um, and the way that work has evolved after COVID. Um, are you guys working from home? How are you making it work in a post-COVID era in, in the business? In the short time that I've been there, I find that it's not any different from my previous engagements. Uh, indeed, we do have the hybrid system we have a hybrid yeah we have the hybrid system so that 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 you know i think it's two days but that is not to say that in case you'd have something that you need to do in the office that you you will not come so it's really up to people's um discretion and and you know discernment how you're going to to make it work mm-hmm. and i think it's important because it also lets you connect with other aspects of your life and I think it's actually a successful way of doing it. And it prepares us for future. I mean, nobody knew COVID was coming. And yeah. then it came and then it, it, it caught us all of us off guard. Now that we have adapted, perhaps maybe it is in readiness for the next thing and touch wood that it doesn't happen. So I think it's also, and being a tech company, we should be able to work from anywhere, deliver the results. And uh, there's always the need, I still say, even then, we still have the need for the human touch. Yeah, yeah. So it's good to sit here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and, and talk to you and, and be with Linda. So it's really just a, a mix of the two, yeah. which works. The other interesting thing is that you guys were really at the center of making things work during COVID, right? We wouldn't have had, you know, phones, uh, Wi-Fi, et cetera, without you guys. So you guys have been really instrumental. How do you make sure that you continue that legacy um, um, going forward? And also, how do you make sure, Linda, that you can connect the pre 
COVID world to this world now for your business? I think uh, for Safaricom, what COVID um, inspired was digitization. Yeah. So we really got to digitize a lot of our processes during COVID. And yeah. that really improved efficiencies in the way we serve the customer, in the way we work within the business. And so for me, I think digitization was heightened during COVID and that has what has enabled us to continue to serve even the whole country. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And expand beyond. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that a bit. You've gone into Ethiopia and you're really an African business. Um, how do we make sure that you're taking advantage of legal and regulatory changes or what do you want to see coming in that could affect the business and lead us into the future? I think from an Ethiopia perspective, uh, one of the things that we are proud of is first even just getting into the market. Yeah. Because for a long time, uh, Ethiopia has been closed. So, and the fact that it's an, an African brand that has gone in is a plus. Yeah. It then shows that as Africans, we have something to offer just as good and can compete. As international. On, yes, as international brands. Mm-hmm. We recently launched M-Pesa in, in uh, Ethiopia. Yeah. And it's catching on. It's also something else that we are proud of. So we are exporting our own talent. We're exporting our own ideas as Kenyans and letting uh, the team on Ethiopia put in their own nuances, put in their own flavor and let the brand work for them. So yeah. it's, it's very, it, I think it's something to be extremely proud of that we have been able to do and see it, it is our desire that even Ethiopia will be bigger and better mm. than, than we ever thought it would be. So yeah. it's something that we're watching Closely, a lot of collaboration, Linda can speak into that in terms of, say, even what the legal department at Safaricom has been able to do for our counterparts in in, in mm. Ethiopia. But really proud about that and letting them do, um, you know, customize it to the Ethiopian way. Because yeah. we have to uh, recognize that each country is individual. Correct. Um, so, yeah, Linda, let's talk about the regulatory changes that you want to see coming forward. What are you looking forward in order to implement your strategies going forward? So there are two aspects. Um, If we talk about Ethiopia, it would be good to see them legislate more uh, in terms of what we have best practice in Kenya, borrowing from things like data protection and even what we have regionally. Um, Over and above that, from a local perspective, it would be good to see um, new regulations in new areas like artificial intelligence, revolution of intellectual property laws. Yeah. Uh, because technology is continuing to penetrate into the continent in various ways. Yeah. And so to be able to have new laws that catch up with the trends would be really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is very important. AI, uh, intellectual property, yeah. those are key, key uh, regulatory changes that we also need to to see coming through. And, and when we're talking about AI, I was recently at a, a conference and 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 I got this, I coined this thing, where is the AI in AI? <laughs> and what that means is, where is Africa's interest in artificial intelligence? Is this your your intellectual property? So yeah, yeah, that's my intellectual. I say that yeah. is because it AI is coming. It is here with us, but it is very important that we look at it from an African perspective and make it work for us as Africans, where we are now and where we are going. So I'm very passionate in insisting of where is the African interest in AI. And I hope that this will get, will, you know, there will be momentum in that, in that the products and the ways that we're using AI is serving us as Africans yeah. to the next level. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's key. And we also need to understand what AI 
it, the purpose of it and how it can be used in Africa. And legislate yeah. from an African perspective. Yeah, yeah. Which hopefully will compete, if not supersede, what we're seeing out there. Yeah, correct. Yeah. This um, last week, there was an article in the New York Times saying how Africa is the next frontier. It really big cover. I don't know if you guys saw it. Talking about specifically Africa, the population growth, the potential that it has. I mean, Africa has always had its potential, but really now it is the most populous and going to be the most populous um, continent on earth. We also have changes coming in with, for example, Kenya removing the visa restrictions on African, other African um, countries, and then also the African Free Trade Agreement, uh, which can then leverage on um, what we can do in legal services, how we can deliver legal services. Are you guys thinking about that? And if so, in what capacity? I think quite briefly I can say that it would be our desire as as a Safaricom to be the leading African telco. Yeah. So some of the legislation that is coming in, some of the uh, the treaties that are coming in, I think will enable this. And hopefully that we can get into more markets and serve the African continent, not yeah. just Kenyans. Mm. So that that would be my biggest take and, and hopefully the biggest opportunity that we can have to become a pan-African organization. Yeah that then takes out all this technology, all these services to the African people. Something to be truly proud about. Yeah, yeah. and that, that would be the goal for all of us. But also, Linda, just to to tailor your services in terms of best practice to countries that, that have not had the opportunity to learn about that kind of thing before. So how do we, how are you the best company secretary at the highest level that you can be in, for example, Guinea, where no one, we don't, they may not, you know, have the same regulation. How do you do that? and influence them. Okay, so the company secretarial role is um, coming in-house for the first time. So part of the mandate is also just to ensure that we develop best practice, um, just the way Safaricom is known for some of the agendas like sustainability. So how do we transition corporate secretary services or... I mean, that's so amazing. I didn't know it was the first time. So this is the first time they hired someone in Yeah. House. Yeah, okay. so... How do we make it best practice so that we become trendsetters in that space, in the telco space, as a listed company, observing best practice corporate governance? So I, I, I want to say that that really is how we hope to see in the office of the COSEC. Yeah. I mean, that's great. That's great. And if we can bring it into other countries, yeah. all the better. And if we do the same thing with legal services. We try and develop and see what kind of um, practice they are in different African jurisdictions and then adapt them for our clients who are across the continent as well. Okay, we're coming to the end of the year. It's been a good year. Has it been a good year? Yes, it has. It's been a very good year. <laughs> I don't think you can complain. Um, what are you looking forward to in 2024? Um, what things can you tell us about? Can you tell us anything? Is it all hush hush? Um, you, know, uh, you can break it down uh, personally, professionally. Professionally. Yeah. Actually, it's a very good. Uh, what we're looking forward to in 2024 is, you know, just doing bigger and better business, as Linda says. Um, you know, in a, that, that we truly become the market leaders in terms of our governance, in terms of how we do our business, in terms of the type of business that we do, I would hope that in 2024 we get to stretch ourselves more as uh, the legal team in terms of the transactions that we'll be able to do, the things that we will um, encounter in our in, in in our jobs, but really just to to ensure that there is growth 
amongst all of us that there is satisfaction. People continue to feel satisfied in the jobs that they're doing and give, and that enables them to even give more. Yeah. And number three is to learn one more skill. We have something we call it in Safaricom that is one more skill that we bring it more. You know, lawyers, we are so busy serving our clients, etc. I would like to see um, that 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 thematic area of one more skill actually um, come out more amongst yeah. ourselves, including myself. Yeah. Uh, that we are able to move away from just being lawyers and get another skill because this is how the world is moving. If you do not adapt, if you do not get another skill on it, you may very well perish or become, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, obsolete, like 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 saying that if you tell cause <laughs> the equipment is obsolete. <laughs> so just to ensure that we are yes. on top of our game that we are supporting the business, that the business is able to feed off our knowledge, to feed off our expertise, to 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 just move on. To I mean, it. that's a great that's a great one for anyone who's looking for uh, to to think about twenty twenty four. One more skill could be something that you you can look for now. Whatever it is, get back one more skill. Yeah, yeah. Linda. So, in addition to what Wangeshi has said, uh, we are hoping for a strong set of financial performance and giving value to our investors in yeah. terms of. Hoping to see our share price increase. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm looking for. I mean, the, the, the thing is that you're serving different masters, right? There's investors <laughs> to serve, there's in-house to serve, there's clients to serve. My gosh, it's a lot. But I can understand where both your perspectives are coming from. Okay, so if as we wrap up on that, let's talk about your personal philosophy in life and what that has, what has taught you and enabled you to then uh, bring into your work and into your into your life. I'm looking for something unique. I want to leave a place better than I found it. Yeah. So for me, I always ask myself, how can we make a difference? Okay. Yeah. But that's a great one. Embrace the future. And the future, that does not mean that everything will be rosy. Even where there are challenges, embrace those challenges because out of challenges, opportunities arise. So embrace the future and take it as it comes one day at a time. Because, you know, so many things happen, but do not be afraid of the future. Actually, yeah. go towards it and pick it up and move on. Excellent. Those are very good things. So there are two more segments that I want us to cover. First of all, we do a tips and tricks for working well. I know you guys have <laughs> <laughs> approaches so that people can get a flavor. And then we do a quick fire round. So okay. let's do that first. Okay, so tips and tricks. Yep. This is for young lawyers. What advice would you give anyone looking to get into legal practice? So the first decision about getting into legal practice, because actually both of you were not going to be lawyers anyway. Yeah. So, um, I think for me, the if you want to get into legal practice, be teachable. Open your mind yeah. to learn as much as you can, especially when you're a young lawyer. Be open to learning as much as you can so that you really improve your skill set. Uh, law is a profession that upholds the rule of law. So be ready to be a person of value and integrity. I mean, that's very important. When you, when you say teachable, and I, I'm going to press you on this, Linda, when you say teachable and, and to learn, what are you learning? Because actually um, there's, there's the technical skills and then there's the soft skills. Well, as a young lawyer, do you think that, that you should focus more on the soft skills or the technical? I think both, because both are important. And uh, you need to look for a mentor who has walked the path that you intend to walk and be teachable. Allow them to mentor you so that you, become, you, you, you bring out your greatness. Okay. Yeah. All right. Wangeshi? 
Be patient. The legal profession is one of learning, as, as Linda says, but it takes time. So you must be patient. I know in the era of instant gratification, there is a rush to, I want to be like so and so now. Patience, because with patience, you're able to learn, you're able to build your confidence, you're able to build your brand. Mm. Be patient. Okay. Let's talk about work-life balance. I think we, we touched on it before. Is there such a thing and how do you cope with that? Um, I, I was recently told by somebody that um, they look at it from a different perspective. They don't say work-life balance. They simply say, are you happy at home and are you happy at work? What that will be is up to you, whether it is 60, 40, 70, 30. So you must come to a point where you're able to do what you need to do at work and you're still able to do what you need to do at home. At home. Okay. Linda? So for me, I look at it like more of work-life integration. When you're at work, be present, do your work, do it professionally, be reliable, and someone people can trust. When you're at home, transition into your home role, whatever it is for you, whether you're a parent, whether you're a wife, you're a sister, whatever it means to you, I think in whatever setting, you need to be present. Be present, yeah. And when you have a lot on your plate and things that look overwhelming, how do you center yourself? How do you do lists? Is it a... To check off what you do? Yeah, I definitely have a to-do list every morning. And so I put it on a fresh page. And, and I don't write, yes. And I don't write on that page. I, I write on the next time because I may start with only four. But by the end of the day, the list has grown. So I need yeah. that space. But when it's all too overwhelming or there's something like that, I actually leave my desk and I go and I walk. Okay. Because I find that that walking helps me to just clear my mind. Mm. Okay. Linda? For me, I just take a break. Uh, from the work setting, um, maybe it's before it to have lunch or just to reflect. So that's how I center myself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those are very good methods anyway. Walking as well. Um, we do the quick fire. Okay. I hope you didn't read them before. No. I am sure you went. But anyway, let's go. Let's go for it. Okay. So the quick fire round. Uh, let's start with you, Agashi. Beach or city holiday? Beach. Favorite place to visit. Monaco. Oh, that's very fancy. <laughs> Apple or orange? Orange. Pizza topping or twist? Anything meaty. Okay. Favorite drink? A nice glass of red wine. Very nice. What type of red wine? <laughs> I like uh, it's either South African brand or a Chilean wine. Mm, okay. Very specific. Linda, let's do you. Be beach or city holiday? Beach. Favorite place to visit? Paris. Me too. <laughs> Apple or orange? Apple. Pizza topping of choice? Chicken. What is your favorite drink? Cappuccino. Oh, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so much needed. You guys have been fantastic. Thank yes. you. Thank you for having the time. Thank you for making the time. It's been a great episode. Um, and see you guys next month. Bye. <laughs>